Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is my dear, dear friend. Actually, we'll just call her one of my best friends. Tali McGall, the founder of Freebird Productions. If you have passed by a billboard, you have seen the work she has produced for some legendary brands, creators, photographers. We talk about how she got started, her success, and how she enjoys all of the fruits of her labor. Take a listen. Hey, girlfriend. Welcome, welcome. Hello. (laughs) So for those tuning in, this is my really good friend. So you'll probably just feel like you're um, eavesdropping on two girls shooting the shit. But she's also an incredible badass founder of an amazing company. And so I wanted everyone listening to hear her story. Tali, welcome. Thank you so much. My sister from another mister. That's right. If you look us up, everybody, we do look like twins and often get mistaken for it. We call each other the (laughs) (laughs) stand-in. Hi. Uh, Hi. So I want some of your backstory. Um, Before you started Freebird, what were you doing? What excited you? And then what made you transition to Freebird? So... I, well, in school, I studied dance and music, and there was a major at UCLA where I went to college called World Arts and Cultures, and um, I kind of was all over the place and did my junior year abroad in Italy, which totally changed my life, and I came back, and I graduated college and moved to New York, and I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I want to travel, be creative, and speak Italian. And people were like, oh, honey, that's fashion. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And so I had no idea what that meant, but I started meeting people and I ended up getting a job at a production company that specialized in photo shoots for an Italian publication called Di La Repubblica. And there I was traveling, being creative and speaking Italian. So I was like, score. (laughs) <laughs> and they, she said, why don't you just work here for a little bit? You can look at the whole pie and see which slice you like best in this fashion world and see what resonates. And then it turned out that I liked the whole pie and that I liked being a part of each of these slices and that, you know, my background in the arts and growing up in an artist family, you know, all of these various pieces spoke to me and I knew how to speak to them and bring it all together full circle. And that sort of started my trajectory in production. So can you explain a little bit about what production means for a photo shoot? Because I know in film, it's a little different and people hear the word production in handbags and that means something entirely different. Right. So my kind of production, so I, I am the founder and owner of Freebird Productions which is a full-service global production company. We produce photo shoots, commercials, videos, music videos, sort of branded uh, content that you see. And so it could be the billboards that you see, you know, for a particular fashion brand or jewelry brand or car brand or anything like that. It could be the, you know, the social campaigns you see on Instagram. It could see, it could be TV commercials that you see on TV. So it, it runs the gamut, but that's we focus on that, on bringing camp- brands their campaigns that you see and that sort of 
creates the vision of the brand. Okay. And these are for huge, well, we'll get into who your clients are now. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave a little mystery, but anyone listening, you've seen her campaigns, uh, whether it's on a billboard or on TV or on YouTube, they're brands that are household names. So let's go back to your agency days. You're working for someone else. And how long did this last before you're like, screw it. I'm going out on my own. <laughs> well, um, I, so I started, I moved to New York in my early twenties and I was working at this production company. and. From there, I ended up moving into a photography agency representation company. And so I was the in-house producer for this photo agency representing photographers. And then from there, I went to this very high-end fashion agency that represented like the top names in fashion photography, which then turned into not just photography, but also commercials. And there was this opportunity, which was at the time, very, very scary. In 2009, when the economy tanked, they were going to start doing layoffs. And they're like, you're all great. It's not personal. We need to shrink our staff. And I was terrified. But I also was so sick of being at the helm, like Grand Central Station, looking after all these artists and producing all these productions, but handing them off to production companies to finish, you know, to, to manage and to be on set and to do all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is coming. Why don't you just let me be that person that I keep hiring and and hire me? And I have a shorthand with all of these artists anyway. And I know how this company works. I'll make it worthwhile for everyone. And instead of just jumping into another job, I decided to start Freebird Productions. And I said, right here, right now, with this built-in roster of artists that I'm currently looking after, why don't I just be the one that produces these on the other end out of the agency? And that was how Freebird was born. Wow. So were you scared? What was going through your mind as you birthed this agency and all pressure was now on you essentially to make it work? I was terrified. I was terrified, but I knew that I knew that I wanted this so badly. I knew that I was better in the field. I knew that I was better dialing direct and figuring out problems direct and being closer to the creative, you know, directly and not being muzzled by the politics of being in an agency. I could see the problems coming a mile down the road. And I just, for whatever, you know, office political reasons, couldn't speak to them. And I was like, this is what I actually want to do. And I'm so scared not to jump into the security of a job and, you know, medical and all the things, the security that jobs afford you. And I, I did it and I was very lucky that my husband, Craig at the time was, you know, supported me in this endeavor. I was like, I don't know how lucrative it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to work, but I don't want to just jump into another of the, of the same. And it, it worked out. It was a very slow start. Um, I laughed so hard thinking about how ill-prepared I was for this end of production, being the one running set and running, you know, what happens after the job is confirmed and we passed it along to somebody else. Um, and slowly over time, I built my kit and I built my team and I built all the things that a production company needs. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I learned on the job. And luckily, you know, I had great relationships with the, with the teams that I was working with and 
and it has worked out. It's 12 years later. So, I mean, I think there's this fallacy that people, people often think about with overnight success. And you just said 12 years later. And I know you because I've known you for longer right. than that, <laughs> scarily enough. Um, you worked your ass off to get to where you are, which today by anyone on the outside, you are, you know, oh my God, how is she doing it with these brands, right? What was some of the unexpected hard work and or lows of having to just fucking slug through sometimes? What was that like? I mean, I didn't have a big team at the beginning. And I think that's why people brought me on because they knew I had agency experience. They knew I knew the other end of the, you know, of the spectrum, but I was doing it all myself. And so I was cheaper, A, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't coming with this huge team and all this padding. Um, but I hustled, I hustled so hard. You know, I was, I was being five people. I was in some cases at the very beginning, renting the van, you know, <laughs> like renting the path van and, and laying out all the craft services and doing all the nitty gritty and booking all the cars and just like the very basic logistics, you know, and, but you need to do that in order to understand what it takes to make a set flow, to make, you know, all these tiny little details are so important to getting the creative to come together to push out into the world. There's so many tiny things that nobody thinks about. And that is fully our job from the tiniest nitty gritty to the big global usage and to booking the talent into contract negotiations and to pulling in the right, you know, director of photography and getting the lighting right. There's about 100 million variables that come together to make something successful like this. And I had to learn by being in each and every tiny pocket by like figuring out the espresso machines and, you know, rolling up my sleeves and, and hustling hard and crazy hours, you know, you're working with the light. So you'd have to be there, you know, in the middle of the night setting up so that the first light we could be shooting and everything was set up. And it, it was a lot. And those are the people who I now hire on my team who just have this willingness and are down to make things great. That's what it takes. And I certainly hustled for years and years. In fact, Craig, my husband, laughs at me all the time because when I get out of the car, I slam it super hard. He's like, what is wrong with you? Why can't you just close a door like a normal person? And I laugh and it's because of all these years of jumping out of 15 pass vans and like with all my might slamming these huge doors so that we could get our crew from A to B and it's all in there in the DNA. Uh, but the hustle was real and constant and, you know, day by day over so many years. And, and now we're doing big, massive global campaigns and I could have, you know, a hundred people on my payroll for various, you know, projects, but it all comes down to understanding how important every small detail is. And I have played every single role. <laughs> I mean, I think it's so important that you played every single role, like you said. I mean, you saw me play every single role in that way. No wool is being pulled over our eyes, you know? Exactly. And well, then you, and I sure have. You've been amazing. <laughs> but I think it's like so helpful. And then if you have to put your sleeves up again and go fix the fucking coffee machine, you know how to do it. Yep. So as you were coming up, I think there's the notion today that 
when you're coming up, if you're given too much work or you're working, you know, a hundred hours a week, there's this like, oh, I can't overwork. I'm approaching burnout. I only know coming up as the other way, working my ass off. So when I hear these things, I'm like, go you if you can get that. But I don't know many people who succeed that way. So I would love to hear how it was like for you and, and how you framed that experience. Well, I mean, the truth is when you're coming up, you do need to deal with some of the shit, you know? Um, gardens don't grow overnight and, you know, you need to work in the fertilizer and the weeds, otherwise known as the shit. <laughs> um, and But that's how you learn. That's how you get your grit. That's how you work through and make the relationships that end up feeding you later on. And you only know what you're capable of by challenging yourself. And it's hard. It's You've got to be okay with if you want something and you want it to succeed, life is not, you know, ready, set, go. And success doesn't happen overnight. You have to be willing to do the work and roll up your sleeves and and yeah, sometimes suck up some not so pleasant stuff and do, you know, put in the hard hours and be the first ones and there to set up and then there to wrap up. Um, and that is how you learn. And I, I just can't imagine how it would work any other way. You have to do the work in order to reap the benefits. And it's definitely better on the other end, you know, later on. But you're coming at it, you know, success happens once you really understand what it takes, all the little details in order to get there. And, and I just think a lot of, a lot of kids coming up now just want it quickly. I did. Yeah. I mean, there's wanting it quickly and knowing that that won't happen, but then there's like, oh no, this will happen. And then you're like, actually, no, it won't. (laughs) But the truth is it's not, it's sweeter and that's, it sounds so annoying, but it's honestly true you don't know what you don't know. And like dealing with the nonsense, dealing with the drama, dealing with the problems, dealing with the trouble, all these, these like problems that arise that you can't predict it's getting through them. And then having that in your internal database to pull on so that you can avoid that moving forward. And you just, you need to go through it in order to know how to avoid the pitfalls and have a seamless, successful project. It takes doing the work. And that's just the the honest truth of it. But there is another side. We all get there eventually. You know. We do or we don't. Some people or you don't. don't. <laughs> or you drop the mic and you're like, I'm good here. In our case, we both did. And I'm really happy to see us on this other end where, you know, you're reaping some of the benefits, but it doesn't come without like you're there for you're we're here for a reason. We're here because we have been willing to put in the work. True. That's right. So what gave you the, I guess, resolve to keep going when you are slugging it, when you're doing all the dirty work, you're building your career? Um, what kept you looking at the North Star of, I, I would assume, where you are today? You know, I think it's funny how people end up where they are. I studied all sorts of various things. I come from a family of artists. I was just like, you people have got to get it together. You need to understand the business end of this. And to me, 
I, that was a goal in front of me. Like I wanted to be in a creative field where I could live in fantasy and, you know, be on these incredible sets and these beautiful locations with these epic set designs and, you know, working with incredible talent and making that be how I make my living, a part of my business, you know, and I'm able to do that at best when my when things are clicking and all the prep has come together and we are in that special moment when you're on set and all the collaborators are working together and moving forward in one direction it's amazing and it's so satisfying and i feel like not the necessarily the nitty gritty the coffee and the cars and the you know the schedules and all of that but the final moment, the being on set, the creating art in a commerce setting, it really just checks all my boxes and it gives me fuel because it's who I am as a person. I'm able to make work, you know, to, to use all of who I am in my daily work. And that feels incredible. And that is what fuels me because what better opportunity is there, you know? I get to use all of who I am. Well, I think you said it perfectly in the beginning. Like you you actually decided what you wanted out of work. And it wasn't that you said rich and famous, which I talk about a lot. That's not the product, right? You said you wanted to live well, travel, be around artists, right? I think I got yeah. all those. I mean, um, I wanted to make money too. Don't get me and make, wrong. No, I'm, yeah, of course. Money is money. a part of it. But like like your purpose isn't just to make money, right? I mean, that, that happens if you put everything into doing what you love and you're smart about it and you make great decisions. So I think that's such a key point that some people need to start with. Like, well, what do they want to have as their products? You know, if they're going to go to work every day. Yeah. I mean, I would I would have paid and I would pay to be at some of these you know, moments that I am being pretty well paid for, you know, I, it like, it's, it's, it's down to the cellular level. I'm able to strive for excellence and put my all into what I do and into making something really epic because it feels so good. And it's checking all my boxes. My, um, my grandmother who, you know, me, anyone who knows me well knows how, what a huge influence my grandmother um, has been in my life, and she you know, was a refugee and a, and a Holocaust survivor and has this wild, amazing story. But when I was little, she would sort of take me aside and say, Tali, like we'd go to a cafe, she said, look around, what's happening in this room? And I'd be like, I don't know, they're drinking coffee. And she said, no, 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 read the room. What is happening? And she would point out, you know, what was happening in the room. Those two are in love. That woman is very sad and angry you know, that man over there has a bone to pick. And she would legitimately read the room. And as a child, I was learning to see a room that way. And and that is something that is intrinsic to the work that I do as a producer. I am conducting and I am reading the room. I am making sure that the problems disappear and that everybody is on board moving north in a way that keeps the train going, but everybody needs to hear it in a different way. And I'm able to speak to all the various factions because that is my training in life. That is my arts training, you know, 
as a young one. And that is my like life training as a person in the world. And, and that's what makes it satisfying and interesting to me. And ultimately why I think it's successful. It's because it's not just a job I'm clocking into. I am bringing my whole self to the table and really want to make things epic. So, well, it shows, um, <laughs> I've seen it firsthand girl. girl. That's so let's, right. I did your campaigns at the very, very beginning. That's right. You know? We couldn't, we couldn't afford you. You did it for like <laughs> trade. And I was like, oh, this is what having a producer is like. Oh, Ooh. and it opened my eyes to the world of like, oh, when you do something properly, this is how fun it can be instead of, you know, me wiping the model's ass alone. I was like, there is Let's a toilet. Let's wipe it together. Let's wipe yes. it together. There's a toilet <laughs> where she can go to the bathroom. <laughs> Let's lead her there as a group. Definitely. Definitely. Oh. It's all about enjoying life. It is short. This can be torture or this can be epic. And I prefer to have it be fun. No. I, and I think you've taught me that. Like some people feel like work only exists if it's hard and terrible. And that it needs to be hard and terrible for everyone else. And you know who I'm talking about. Mm. Um, or maybe you don't. <laughs> um, and I then I see fun. you do it. And I'm like, oh, right. You can do this and have fun. And everyone, no matter where they are on the totem pole, can have a blast and feel great about their job when when they're in this environment. Totally. Well, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's all been a deep joy. Like I have definitely been through it and I have come through the rungs and I feel like, you know, I specialized in tricky diva crazy for a long time, but that's what allowed me to decide that like, I know that I have that and I'm actually not interested in that. I want things to be excellent. I want to do great work, but I don't want to feel tortured in it. And I, it's really important to me to pick a team and to surround myself with collaborators and people that are like-minded, that are on board, because otherwise it really can be torture, and I just don't think it's necessary. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. 
I'd love to hear about like what were some of the harder times where it was dealing with a diva, um, like or any other hard times you didn't expect, and how did you how did you sort of push through that? Well, I mean, I think anybody coming up who doesn't have a voice, you know, it's not their place to to call out problems they see coming down the line, or they just have to deal with, you know, people spewing their shit, you know, um, you have to suck it up and deal because the show must go on. And I think for a long time, I really had to tuck it in and I brought, you know, and hide so much of myself. And, you know, whether it was that I was maybe the only girl in the room or that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were a million crazy things that I've seen, obviously working with celebrities and like big musicians, big fashion divas. I've kind of seen it all and I'm not going to call anybody out here right now. No, but you can, you can 100% speak anonymously about who this person might be. Well, there's not this person. I would say there are so many. Um, I'm laughing as they all flash through my head, but I think, how it affected me was that I used to have to tuck myself in. I used to have to just be a shell of who I am in order to keep things flowing. And, and what's different is that I now, you know, I now come to the table as a full person. Like I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm Tolly, I'm me and I'm not trying to hide any part of who I am. And I also want to make sure that our sets reflect that and that other people are you know, just problem solving and coming to the table and not trying to have to hide or tuck in who they are in order to, to let work happen. Um, I'm probably not giving you a big specific. I'm trying I mean, to you totally don't have to, like, I also don't want, <laughs> I don't want you to get in any trouble. Well, I mean, there, it's just like the, the, in, there was for many, many years, the insane debauchery all around, you know, and having to like pull crazy erratic talent out of like muck and make things happen or deal with, you know, terrible talent managers who had to protect their talent. But then, you know, we would get the brunt of whatever they were dealing with. It's just, there's so many millions of versions. And, and all I can say is I've seen it all and there isn't one quick solve (laughs) for any of these. I think it's about being nimble, being on your feet, being willing and again, reading the room and giving each situation what it needs. But really, it's about figuring out how to move ahead so that you can run the show. Because when you are a peon and people are peeing on you, <laughs> you, like, <laughs> you know, you don't have much say in the matter. And that just kind of universally sucks. So totally get out of it. <laughs> move through. Yep. So obviously you don't have to share the name or who it was or where it was or whatever brand it was, but was there a time when you felt, you know, what you were doing was just really hard and maybe questioned it not being worth it and what happened? Yeah, plenty of times. Um, I mean, I can think of one time on set when I was a fledgling producer and I didn't really know the crew that well. Um, The photographer who was pretty major at the time for whatever reason, basically like singled me out and and admonished me on set and just like, it was brutal. And I just happened to be the receptacle for 
his recipient of his just wrath. And it was awful. And I wanted to be swallowed into the floor. And the whole crew had to sit and wait while, and this literally was not warranted. It just, I happened to be in the wrong place in his face when he was losing it. And, and I never forgot that. And there was nothing I could actually do, but kind of clear space and get the day finished. But I never forgot it. And, you know, years later, his name came up for a potential project for multiple. And you better believe that I was like, oh, hell no, not that one. Not cool. We don't want that vibe. I will never forget, you know, that treatment. And you know, what's it called? You careful when you're coming up or going down or what's the, all <laughs> of it, think of it, all of it. But I never forgot that treat people the way you want to be treated. It's the same thing. I tell my little ones. I'm like, it doesn't matter the power dynamics. You just don't have to be an asshole in order to do good work. And I never forgot it. And I never will. And you know, too bad for him. Too bad for him. Goes to show you how you treat people up or down means you know, it can mean big things. Amen. So I watched you uh, become a mother at the same time that I feel like your career started to explode. Mm. What did you do to manage that? Or how did you like, just sort of pump the brakes on either side, you know, and then re and then reenter it with a fresh headspace? You know, that's really funny, because that was a huge it was a huge moment in my life and a big turning point where I was kind of paralyzed and scared because I very much was clear that I wanted both things. I wanted a big career and I knew that I wanted to be a mother and I couldn't reconcile how those two things could exist together, which is idiotic because it's not like, I mean, any room I look around, like half the women in the room are professionals and mothers. But at the time in my head, for whatever reason, it, they, it seemed impossible. And so I was paralyzed and not moving ahead in either direction. I was like trying to hold space for like my career to explode or to move ahead. And also was like, but if I get pregnant, then will that stop? And so maybe I shouldn't be, you know, actively chasing that. And I saw like, everyone you could see talk to everyone I could talk to. And I, I just got like the clearest advice, which is the simplest advice, which was exactly what I needed to hear. It was follow both, move ahead in both. It's going to work out. And it did. I, it ended up taking me two years to get pregnant. And in that time I was moving at the same time, full force ahead, pushing Freebird, and, you know, onboarding new clients and doing some really exciting, amazing work. And it all sort of came together. And when I actually did end up getting pregnant, I had some wind at my sails and momentum, but there was a moment where I was paralyzed and not moving ahead in either on either road. And I'm just thankful for that very simple, <laughs> but very clear advice. Just move, just move ahead. Like you can't control the outcome, but you can control moving. And would you say that your perspective on that, you know, obviously your girls are, uh, you know, almost seven, but do you think that it's changed? Like, how do you, how do you do it now? 
I mean, you just do it. I, you've been a huge inspiration to me. I mean, we've kind of done this together, which is great, but you're, you're shameless. You, know? <laughs> you just move through life, say what you feel. There's no holds barred and it's oh great. God. And it's been an inspiration to me and it's kept me <laughs> chuckling the whole damn time. But, you know, I just, who was, so Cass Bird is one of the photographers I work with a lot and a dear friend. And I just remember her saying when I was freaking out about having my being pregnant and I was pregnant with twins. Um, she said, you know, babies come with a loaf of bread under their arm. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And she's like, they bring luck, money, prosperity, just move ahead and don't think that that's going to hold you back. And I held that close. And the crazy thing is it's true. My business fully shot into super speed. The second the girls came and I was a new mom and figuring out all of that, but my business exploded. And I think, you know, part of when you become a mother, you sort of grind into who you are, you, you anchor. And maybe that was a part of it. You, you know, you're a lot more efficient about how you spend your time and everything just kind of came together into this full life. You know, it wasn't so fragmented. It was, I am me. I am a professional. I have children. I have a home life. It's all one. You know, let's let's move forward and succeed as much as possible in every sector. Like at well, least that's the I goal. mean, <laughs> yeah, but you've also done it and then like pretty woman that shit. Not that not that no one believed in you, obviously, but like now you're like, boom, here's the people I do campaigns for. So let's name these amazing brands that ah. you work with in spite of all this. I mean, I've really over the years, I think I said it was 12 years, but it might even it might even be more. Um I've kind of worked with everyone, like every magazine that you can think of, every fashion magazine from like the Vogue's and the Harper's Bazaars and the you know, the IDs and all of that too. You know, there's also a very big high-low thing. So like very big beauty brands like La Mer and Shiseido, you know, but then to like emerging brands like Halsey's About Face, we did their launch, which was really exciting. And then, you know, in fashion, it's Louis Vuitton and Valentino, but then like Michael Kors and Kate Spade and, you know, close to my heart, smaller brands like Ula Johnson and jewelry, luxury brands, you know, David Yearman, Boundary. There's this this mix of stuff, you know, and then you're like doing Mercedes Benz and big huge brands. It really runs the gamut. And um, but I love doing the editorial still. Like I helped to to start Homegirls, the brand with Takun Panichko, which I'm super proud of and think is awesome and exciting. And that doesn't necessarily make much money, but it's this incredible, you know platform for art to make some really cool art and then you ping pong that and end up going and doing these big huge other campaigns so it really runs the gamut I've done so many big major brands and been fortunate to have you know worked with a lot of talent and that's crazy exciting but it's a big high low situation that's that's the whole point well yeah the high the high (laughs) keeps you the artistry incredible the low pays them bills right 
or or the opposite whatever it is or yes. the opposite like, yes yeah you know it's like as long as I'm I have a vehicle to collaborate and make beautiful work with like-minded individuals you know that can be for a big campaign that can also be for a small editorial where you're not being dictated by a big ad agency and you know because I've I've worked in so many different sectors of this world you know in the ad agency world at the editorial magazine, you know, level at, you know, artist representation production, work directly with directors and photographers. I come at it from so many different perspectives and it's helpful because when you're, you know, working on these negotiations or usage or these are, you know, big, these are technical terms, but I can come from every different perspective and help, you know, whoever is sort of hiring me from whatever vantage point, you know, like sometimes I'm doing it at the thousand foot creative level. And sometimes I'm really just running set for a, a bigger production that's already, you know, in, in motion. Um, I bring all of that so that it's always something different and interesting. It's never the same. And I also really like that because I'm never bored. <laughs> nope. Cause God forbid you're bored. Never boring. Hashtag never boring. I'm going to get a tattoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Before we wrap, I wanted to get from you a piece of advice that you feel someone else gave you that's been helpful in your journey or one that you learned the hard way that you want to pass on. And then second question, what would we be surprised to know about you? It can be as embarrassing as the things that you know about me or not. Mm. Just be surprising. <laughs> Ooh, careful. <laughs> Good thing you're careful. not interviewing me, right? Good thing. Uh, um, okay. So the advice, I guess the best, the best advice is stay flexible, you know, because it's obvious you want to achieve excellence. You want to have motivation. You want to, you know, roll up your sleeves and attack each problem with some gusto, but staying flexible both in your mind and in your body, I think is key to staying balanced and moving forward. If you get rocked, if you're too rigid, you get rocked. So I feel like that is a piece of advice I hold close and try to remember as I'm getting pummeled by <laughs> stressful situations. Um, and speak your mind, you know, read the room. Yep. If someone's like, how the F do I read a room? I mean, your grandma was teaching you since you were a little girl, but like. I mean, it's almost like it's like read between the lines. What are people not saying? Mm -hmm. What is actually going on in a given situation? How do you like put out fires that aren't blazing but are simmering? Like just it's like opening to the bigger picture of things. What needs to happen to move this project forward? What's blocking it? Who is like not who needs to be spoken to in a different way in order to get them on board. And it's all very subtle, but it's hugely impactful and it's hard to explain tangibly, but it's, it's also incredibly obvious. I think people just stick to the script and that's often where problems happen because there's not one script for every situation. You need to kind of get into the nuance and, Figure out who needs to hear something in different ways and then give it to them that way. Get them on board. And a little tolly wink and then it goes a long way. 
A little wink and a little shimmy, you know, never hurt <laughs> <laughs> A little tickle. Or slap. Depends. Depends on who you're dealing with. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> um, so what would we be surprised to know about you? Hmm. What's she going to uh, give us? What's she going to give us? Um, oh, I could tear it up with karaoke. Yes, you I can. I could tear it up. I give us a little something. End this podcast <laughs> with a little... <laughs> Black velvet. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to. I don't want to give it up. I want to give up my set. But um, tear it up on the dance floor. That's how I met you. That's right. You know we can tear it up on the dance floor. That that's what I'm giving you right now. Okay, tear it up. I'll take it. <laughs> um, so where can people uh, find you, follow you, hire you, see your work? Absolutely. It's Freebird Productions. It's freebirdprod.com is the website or at freebird underscore productions. And my personal one is at Tali McGall. And they're going to see a lot of you on there because you feature broadly in my life. Um, That is how you can find me. And that's what I got. I love it. I love you. Thank you, mama. Thank you, love. Mwah. Mwah. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.